This is Pod Populi, podcast for the people. Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. We're going to talk today about nutrition, but in the context of responsive feeding for parents. Welcome, and we're going to discuss balancing food groups based on the My Plate guidelines. We're going to discuss ways to increase water intake and talk about strategies for picky eaters discuss considerations for vegetarians and vegans, and understanding the importance of responsive feeding. There's such a rise in childhood obesity and the risk of being overweight or obese as an adult. So we want to provide some important messages and strategies to give caregivers to improve dietary weight and overall healthy outcomes in children. So feeding guidelines on what and how to feed your infant and toddlers in the context of their growing, you know, childhood and in the context of being a responsive parent. So responsive parenting, as it relates to feeding, soothing, sleep, and physical activity, is interrelated. If a parent responds to hunger and satiety cues instead of using food to soothe then this will help the child sleep better and become more active when they're awake and also help self-regulate their appetite. I love saying this to parents in my practice. You provide and they decide. So what is it about the feeding behaviors that we need to know? Well, development, temperament, and personal experiences as well as medical needs have to all be taken into consideration, as well as their environment, the family dynamics, ethnic dietary practices, but also food accessibility. I always thought the word JAGS was so funny, but basically what that means is that it's normal for kids as they get older, especially from toddlerhood and up, to have moments where they just don't eat as much. It's important that we offer new foods several times, and this is a concept that becomes difficult because we have to be persistent as well as patient as caregivers. I mentioned being more aware of the feeding environment, and that is so important. What's your table like? You know, make sure that parents are sitting with the family. Don't expect long meal times, but maybe around 15 to 20 minutes. And as they get older into school age, then you can incorporate the kids into meal planning, prep, chores like setting the table or even doing the dishes. Ask them about food choices. Set those positive influences at home so that when they go away from home, it affects their food choices then as well. I want to go over some key steps about these principles of responsive feeding. So a child displays hunger. The caregiver properly interprets hunger signals. Predictable feeding responses from the caregiver depending on how they're eating, the child displays satiety signals, and 
you get a predictable stop feeding response from the caregiver. The outcome of this responsive feeding is that the children develop healthy eating habits. They know when they're hungry. They know when they're full. It provides a stronger bond, and they learn that mealtime can be fun instead of a struggle. The key principles are to be pleasant, to be warm, and setting that nurturing environment. Make sure the child and the caregiver are seated comfortably across from each other or near each other. Have clear and consistent reciprocal communication about feeding expectations. Have predictable feeding schedules so that the child is hungry when the food is actually offered. The offering of healthy, developmentally appropriate beverages and healthy, tasty foods is so important. We wouldn't expect a child to eat something that is not really tasty. You wouldn't eat it either. And responding promptly to the child's hunger and satiety cues so that you're not pushing for that two-bite tango, two more bites, two more bites. They learn that when I'm full, it's okay to stop eating. Feeding response needs to be emotionally supportive, contingent, and developmentally appropriate. I just can't say that enough. Now, as they become older, they're toddlers, preschool, school age, we all know that there are some additional challenges. Some key issues for those toddlers and preschoolers is now they're transitioning to a cup and utensils and feeding themselves. Their fluctuation of appetite can be frustrating. They're not getting enough iron and zinc, and we really want to avoid that overconsumption of juice and sweetened beverages. And developing routines for healthy eating and activity is so important. I had a family the other day, and the child gets soda pop, when he's with dad with dinner every day, but not at the mom's house. So I had to, in a very sensitive way, discuss the importance of what I call some of the time foods and then all the time foods. And we had a talk that soda is really just a some of the time food and not an everyday all the time food. So even using strategies and language so that the child can understand is just as important. Now, as they get older, we do see an inadequate intake of fruits, vegetables, calcium because their milk and vitamin D as well because milk intake becomes lower and fiber. They tend to avoid those energy, nutrient, dense snacks and go for poor snacks such as salty snacks, cookies, and sweetened beverages. And ultimately, it leads to an overconsumption of sugar. And then a consequence of that is the development of a poor body image. So we want to stress the importance of nourishing our body so that we feel good on the inside as well as out. Now, we all know that energy and nutritional requirements for children vary. depends on their age, their sex, and their activity level. Choose My Plate is a wonderful interactive website that provides individual dietary guidance. Added sugar should be avoided and encouraging a well-balanced diet that has a variety of nutritious, developmentally appropriate foods and at the recommended number of servings. 
So let's talk about some strategies on how we can encourage them to eat more of a variety. Make these things accessible. I found in my home that I would have all the fruits and vegetables available, but make them accessible in ways that kids can grab and go. Like make little snack packs of baby carrots or cut up the cantaloupe or cut up the cucumbers wash the grapes and have them in little bunches. You get what I'm saying. As they get into school age, they're less likely to go into the refrigerator and choose those items versus grabbing what's easy, like a set of crackers. Add them to sandwiches, to pasta, to chili, soups, casseroles, pizza. You get the idea. And remember that you can puree some things and sneak it in there, such as pureeing spinach and pureeing kale. Just remember, don't put in too much of the spinach or kale because it'll make that smoothie look green and may not be as appetizing to a young child. Add things to cereal or on top of pancakes or in pancakes and provide them as snacks, as I mentioned, but you got to make them readily available. Chances are they may not go into the fridge, like I mentioned, and grab an apple, but if you cut up the apple and have it on a plate, maybe with some peanut butter nearby, they might be more likely to eat it. Repeated exposure is so important. And also talk about what it does for the body. Just understanding that it's good for them and how it makes them feel good and healthy and strong is so important as well. So I mentioned the My Plate for meals and snacks. And what's really cool is what this focuses on is fruits and a variety of vegetables, protein, whole grains, and includes low-fat, fat-free, and yogurt. And it gives you an opportunity to choose from three food groups for meals and two food groups from snacks. So the app for families is literally www.myplate.gov. Portion sizes are so important when it comes to eating. One thing I learned from a nutritionist that I found so helpful was that a portion size for a child is the size of the palm of their hand. You've heard this before about how our portion sizes as adults should be about the size of the palm of the hand. But the palm of a child's hand is the portion size they should be eating, not the palm of an adult hand. So your child might be eating better than you think. Balance that plate. Take a plate. Um, if you've got a paper plate, for example, draw a line from north to south down the middle and then on the right side, draw a line that is perpendicular to it and tell them that the larger part of the plate is where they should be eating all their fruits and vegetables. Fill that plate with fruits and veggies. The upper portion can be a lean protein. The lower portion on the right side would be their grains. So that they learn that half of their food should be fruits and vegetables on that plate. Just remember that water is wonderful. A lot of times kids don't want to drink just water, even adults. So infuse that flavor with things like apple slices, berries, melons, oranges, lemons, cucumber, mint, and basil. 
offer water in a different cup. Use a fancy straw. Give it in different temperatures. Add ice cubes with different shapes. Or even add frozen berries as ice cubes. Water should be the preferred beverage when they're eating out or milk. So as a parent, what is your role? You choose and prepare the food. You provide the regular meals and snacks and make meeting and <laughs> and make eating mealtimes pleasant. Demonstrate expected behaviors in mealtime and be considerate of a child's lack of food experience when it comes to catering to likes and dislikes. Don't let your child have food or beverages too much except for water between meals and snack times so that they show up hungry and let your child grow into the body that is right for them. Trust your child to eat, to eat the amount that they need, to learn to eat the food they enjoy and grow predictability in the way that is right for them. Learn to behave well at mealtime and not have that struggle. Make food fun. You know, prepare food in different ways. It could be steamed, raw, baked, with dips, with herbs, with spices. Make it taste good. Involve kids in picking out and preparing fruits and vegetables, like I mentioned. And make it fun. Use the five senses. Touch and play with food. It's okay. Use cookie cutters and fun containers to make heart-shaped pancakes, mashed potato snowmen, fruit and yogurt parfaits. Offer new and unexpected foods frequent and consistent consistently, but offer a little like a little bit with the foods that they already have been exposed to and like. This guarantees an increase intake. In other words, enable children to try new foods with foods that they're they're familiar with. Emphasize the relationship between food in regards to taste, temperature, and texture. And for example, let's say you want to get them to drink more milk, but they really prefer orange juice. So let's create a food chain. So first they're drinking orange juice. Next, maybe try making a smoothie with ice, orange juice, and a little bit of strawberry sorbet. And then the next smoothie might gradually decrease the sorbet and increase some milk, taking out the orange juice. And then now we're doing milk with strawberry syrup, gradually decreasing the amount of strawberry syrup until they like the plain milk. It's all about small changes, offering new foods alongside with existing foods and gradually increasing the amount of that new food the child is offered. And this way, they will be more likely to eat it. Continue to offer the old foods and the new foods regularly to ensure that they remain in your child's diet. It can take 20 to 30 exposures of a new food to accept it into their diet. So keep going, keep trying, keep mealtimes relaxed and stress-free. I'll give you another example. Let's say they really love as a dessert chocolate chip cookies. So go from chocolate chip cookies to a chocolate chip granola bar and from a chocolate chip granola bar to yogurt with chocolate chips and granola and then yogurt with granola and berries and the targeted food would be berries. 
I love teaching kids how to cook, but remember to follow safety guidelines in the kitchen, washing hands, surfaces, and kitchen utensils. Keep raw food, raw foods like meat, poultry, and seafood and seafood separate from cooked and ready to eat foods and cook at proper temperatures as well as refrigerate at proper temperatures. When you get kids in the kitchen, three to five, this is a great age that they love to help, but obviously you have to supervise them very closely. As they get older, six to seven, they can start handling complex kitchen tasks using their fine motor skills within a developmental range. And then eight and nine-year-olds, their skills grow to be better in regards to like cooking tasks based on the child's maturity. And 10 to 12, well, help preteens feel independent in the kitchen by providing them more responsibility, but still keep an eye on them. So what are some examples? When they're three to five, they can wash vegetables and fruits in the sink with cool uh, tap water. They can wipe down tablecloths or they can wipe up the tabletops. They can mix ingredients They can brush a little cooking oil with a clean pastry or basting brush on bread, asparagus, other foods. They can use a cookie cutter to cut fun shapes, but don't let them eat raw food. Kitchen activities for six and seven. They can start to use a peeler to peel fruits and veggies, break eggs into bowls, scoop out avocados, de-seed tomatoes, Roasted peppers with a spoon, for example, clean the fruits and vegetables like we mentioned, load the dishwasher, shuck corn, and rinse and cut things like parsley or green onions. And maybe depending on how they're doing with scissors, they can also, you know, use the scissors for these veggies as well. And they can learn to juice a lemon or an orange. As they become eight to nine, they can start to learn how to open cans with a can opener, put leftovers in a shallow container, pound chicken on a cutting board, beat eggs, and even check the temperature of a food such as meat with a food thermometer. And as they grow to 10 to 12, Maybe they can put pasta in the boiling water with supervision. Microwave foods follow a recipe, include reading each step in order and measuring ingredients accurately. Bake foods in the oven, simmer ingredients on the stove, or even slice and chop veggies. Ultimately, we want to make family meals more nutritious. We want children to eat a wider variety of foods. We want to provide an opportunity for your family to bond and build relationships and ultimately prevent obesity. And this all improves self-esteem in children and decreases the chances of engaging in high-risk behaviors. Reducing mealtime stress is so important, and I know I keep bringing it up. Offer small portions of what the rest of the family eats. Allow kids to choose what they eat and how much. Stay seated for 15 minutes, keep food on the plate, everyone cleans up. Those can be very easy and established family mealtime rules and expectations. And enjoy family discussions, offer choices, and don't forget to praise good behavior. 
Mindful eating practices are so important when it comes to leading a healthy lifestyle, but also helping children continue that healthy lifestyle as they get older. Sit at a table without electronics. Spend about 15 minutes in eating. Set your fork down between bites. Does this sound familiar? Chew each bite at least 10 times. That could be a fun game. And savor your bites. Enjoy the moments. Now let's say your child says, I want to be a vegetarian or a vegan. Well, this is going to mean some well-planned meals and snacks so that they're nutritionally well-balanced nutrients. And this is how to include them. Let's run through some. Vitamin B12. Well, this could be dairy products, eggs, vitamin-fortified products such as cereal, breads, milk alternatives, and nutritional yeast. Vitamin D, milk, vitamin D-fortified orange juice, and other vitamin D-fortified products. Calcium, find that in dairy, dark green leafy vegetables, broccoli, beans, and calcium-fortified products such as orange juice and cereals. They can get protein from dairy, from eggs, tofu, beans, and nuts, if age-appropriate. Iron from eggs, beans, dried fruits, whole grains, green leafy vegetables, fortified cereals and breads, and zinc, nuts, beans, whole grains, fortified cereals, and dairy products. I know that mealtime can be stressful, so I hope that these little tips make mealtime and playtime more fun for your families and leads to family bonding as well as healthy living. Thank you so much for listening. And remember to follow me on Growing Up with Dr. Sarah wherever you enjoy listening to your shows, such as Spotify and Apple Podcast. And remember, let's grow up together. Mm-hmm.